Welcome to the Shida Kama Extractive Podcast. It's my pleasure today to welcome Anna Catalano. Anna manages an active board portfolio from the United States. She serves on boards of U.S. corporations and advises many organizations. With 35 plus years of corporate experience, including almost two decades as a corporate director, Anna is a real expert on matters of governance and accountability. Anna also speaks frequently on topics of corporate governance, innovation, and leadership. And I have the pleasure of being part of an informal chat group through which I met Anna. Anna, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you, Sheila. It's great to be here. All right. So let's get cracking. I mean, accountability is an important factor for board because, you know, directors represent uh, different stakeholders of interest. Can you tell us, uh, you know, why accountability is so important from a corporate perspective? Well, I think that the role of a director is really to be in the room representing everyone who can't be in the room. Um, I believe we are accountable to those who have invested in companies um, because they believe in what the company is doing. Um, and I believe we're very responsible for everyone else, all of the other stakeholders that have an interest in that company and how it performs and, and what it does. So it's a very important role for, for us representing a lot of people. Sure. So the, the assumption being that uh, companies interact with the public and that it's important that in the way that they interact with the public, uh, in addition uh, to the usual goals of corporations, that the interest and the welfare of those whose lives they touch is, is, is protected. Would that be about right, Anna? Yeah, I th- and I think that that has evolved and changed over the years. I think that the um, the relationship that companies have with society has changed very much. It used to be that companies provide services and made things and people bought them and that was it. But now there are many institutions who um, actually are not doing a lot of the things they were doing, providing support in communities, and people are looking toward enterprise to fill those gaps. And so the responsibility of corporations um, and enterprise in society has become far more important, and therefore how they react and how they interact with people in society um, has become very elevated and very visible. So it's easy, of course, to say we represent people who are not in in the room. Uh, but what about accountability? Who does the board account to and, and why for their own actions? Well, I believe the most important people that a board is accountable to are those who are investors. Um, those who have put their um, money forward to say, we believe in this company, therefore we are going to invest in this company. And for that um, level of confidence, we believe the company should um, create value for us. So I think the first um, accountability is to the investor community. Obviously, you know, that's share that's shareholders with public companies and investors with private companies, donors with nonprofits. Um, how those funds are used is the most important level of accountability. Um, second to that, of course, are a variety of stakeholders that we have. 
um, that that care about how that company performs. Employees, how are employees treated? Communities, how is the corporation behaving in communities? Governments, are we living up to our responsibilities and agreements with governments um, and you know other entities in the community that um, that rely on what the company is doing? So it's interesting you should speak uh, about governments and, and the agreements we reach with governments. Of course, it, it, would it be fair to say that ultimately when one thinks of the bigger public, the government is the biggest overseer of public interest. And so where is the land of divide then between the responsibility of governments to ensure uh, that corporations conduct themselves in a way that does not compromise the bigger public and the role of the board? You know, I think that corporations are a part of helping an entire society become elevated and helping create more opportunities for people to live better lives. Um, in that light, I believe that in many countries, and particularly in developing countries, it is a partnership between government and enterprise to make sure that we are improving the lives of people who live in the society. Um, and so, you know, to that light, I think it's very important that a collaboration and an understanding of how that is done in a very transparent way, um, in a very um, fair way, um, to create opportunities for society to improve is, is paramount to how a company operates in any country. So we've spoken about uh, first the importance of both accounting and the hierarchy of stakeholders. What about the issues? What are the issues uh, that form the basis for accountability on the board? Well, yeah, I think that a company must be driven by a set of core values that um, the leadership believes in. A company must be also driven by a purpose for why are we here? What is the purpose for um, our being here? Whether that's the product we make, the services we provide, what is our purpose? And I think from values and purpose comes that um, driving compass, if you will, that, that, that compass that we use to say, what is the right thing to do? Um, what are we going to get involved in? What is outside of our boundaries of our capabilities, but what are the things that we care deeply about that we want to invest in? So um, we have, of course, now the advent of uh, ESG. How has ESG, if at all, changed the focus of boards and the way that they see their accountability function? You know, interestingly, ESG is it is it is relatively new from the standpoint of what we call it. the The topics of ESG have been around for a long time. You know, I've been involved in the oil and gas industry for my entire career, and um, joined my first oil and gas board about five years ago. And the topic of the environment, the topic of safety, things like that, have been very, very important part of strategy, part of compensation for a long time. It is now being um, included under this new definition called ESG, but it has been around for a long time. Um, so what, what ESG has done for us is it has 
pulled together a number of items that I call good business, things that corporations should always have been looking at in terms of our impact on the environment, how we interact with society, and how we govern as an organization. So the the good thing about ESG is that it has created a an agenda item for boards to make sure um, things are looked at on a regular basis, are measured, are considered, are talked about. Um, but I don't want anyone to think that before this term ESG happened, none of these none of these things occurred because actually, many for many companies, these topics have always been very important and always been a big part of the strategic direction. Yeah, th- this is such an important point to make, Anna, because. Uh, not only do people forget that we are not addressing these things for the first time, people forget that actually it isn't the acronym ESG that we should focus on. It is the component parts, the environment, the governance, and the social risk aspect. And to be able to wrap our hands around them, uh, most people think ESG per se is a phenomenon, but I, I sort of think of ESG as a way of, to your point, helping the world focus around these issues that though historically important have not always been elevated to the right level. Absolutely. And I think, I believe that it has organized our thoughts, Sheila, which, which, you know, is always, is is always an important thing to do. Sometimes when we name something, it becomes, ah, it's an agenda item now that we need to speak about. So I think by organizing our thoughts um, under this banner of ESG, it has created um, more robust dialogue around not only are we paying attention to it, but how are we paying attention to it? So I think that's the important thing, but important to realize that many companies have been focused on these items for a very long time. Uh, so we, we've talked about you know ESG and its existence. Talk to me a little more in the ESG space about the reporting aspects and the extent to which that is impacting the board accountability space. You know, I think when it comes to ESG, one of the most important things a board needs to do is to determine what aspects of ESG it wants to focus on. It's many, 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 many different areas that ESG can cover. And a board needs to sit down and say, what are the components of ESG that are critical to what we do and critical to how we function in society for our company? Therefore, how are we going to talk about it? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to hold ourselves accountable? Um, I think until you break it down to the more granular level, it is just very theoretical. It's, you know, it is a, it is a big concept that includes a lot of different things, but the importance of granularity and holding ourselves accountable to specific areas that we think are important to our company um, is the thing that's important. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the rhetoric um, in media, in the press, um, with special interest groups around how they define ESG. But most importantly for a board of directors, it is essential for us to define how do we want to play in this topic and what is important for our strategy. So uh, quite apart from reporting per se, uh, what are the other aspects of ESG that you think improve uh, or help us interact with society in a way that we probably didn't do so before it became 
an agenda. I, I, I'm thinking here, Anna, of particularly financiers. How has our interaction with financiers changed? Well, I think there are a lot of investors that care deeply about um, what a company is doing in the area of ESG. And um, that interest is sparking a lot of conversation that is ha that is happening at a level that didn't used to happen. Um, investors are looking for how are you measuring? How are you keeping track? How are you holding yourselves accountable for um, making progress in these areas? And I think that it is um, it is leading in many industries to more robust conversations about the topic. I think the challenge is that um, companies need to make sure investors understand um, what is being done, what can be done on what timetable, um, and, and investors need to equally um, be willing to learn about how a company is looking at it. Just because you say you're an investor that cares about ESG does not give you the right to come in and say, we don't think you're doing enough, go do more. You actually need to understand what it is the company is doing and what business they're in, what the challenges are. And a robust conversation requires both sides being willing to learn and being open to dialogue. Hmm. Does that make sense? Does that does that answer your question? It, it does indeed. And, and, and it's got me thinking because so far you and I have focused uh, around the board, the shareholders and the external environment. And I wanted us to come back to the internal environment. You and I know that in the United States, uh, the role of the chair and the executive, uh, the CEO, uh, is still uh, one and the same in many incidences. And I wanted you to see whether or not you are observing any changes in the way that uh, CEOs account to the board following the uh, advent of the ESG as a regular agenda item. Is, is that dynamic changing in terms of how CEOs account to the board? Yeah, and I would say that, you know, the movement in the U.S. is separating um, CEO from chair more and more. Um, um, I, right now, I only have one board that has a shared shared positions, and I've been doing this for 20 years. And I would say the majority of my boards have had separate, separate roles. I think that um, the importance of CEO and board dynamic on this topic is really important, whether or not the CEO is also the chair. Um, hopefully, um, even if the CEO and chair are the same person, you've got strong voices in the boardroom that um, can bring about, can bring in an external um, perspective and an external voice. And you've got a good dialogue um, between the CEO and executives with the board regarding what are we doing in these areas? Are we doing enough? Um, how are we measuring ourselves and holding ourselves accountable? Um, I, you know, I think that in some cases, I see the CEO being extremely um, diligent and um, on the front foot on the topic of ESG. In some other cases, I see it's very important for an external board director to come in and say, you know, we haven't spoken about this. I think we should, um, would like to have a good conversation around what we're doing in some specific areas. So yeah. I think it's very important for, uh, yeah, and this is this goes to board culture, doesn't it, Sheila? It's, it's all about... Do the board directors um, feel as though they have um, strong and equal voices in the boardroom or are they being overshadowed by a strong personality? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to two things you mentioned. The first being the culture 
Uh, yeah. You know, the, what underpins the way, especially the non-executive directors interact with uh, the CEO and chair, as the case may be. The other, of course, has to do with the very competency of the board and their understanding and, and uh, of their responsibility and their ability to use it to demand uh, accountability on the part of the CEO. And, and so you have, as with most things, you have the theory and then you have the practice. And I think, you know, what really uh, matters is that experience, once we are in the boardroom, what actually happens, regardless of what is understood in governance terms to be the ideal parameters, which uh, leads me to, to ask, uh, to what extent, if at all, are we seeing that the performance of executives uh, is tied to ESG targets in the on the strategy is that something that you think will happen and is that a good thing i think it is evolving i think that there are some areas where um esg type performance has always been tied to compensation so in in manufacturing companies on where i serve on boards you know the topic of um environment the topic of safety has always been used you know, for many, many years as some sort of compensation um, metric, it could be a modifier, it could be a gate, you know, how well we operate plants, how safe we keep our people. Um, that has been a topic in manufacturing for many, many years. I think on the S and the G side, those are the newer areas where um, we've spent a lot of time talking about our interactions with society. We've spent a lot of years talking about diversity, uh, about how we govern. Very few places have actually used those things as metrics. I think we need to be careful that we um, don't create a system where people are merely ticking boxes, but understanding truly the value of composition of the workforce and composition of the boardroom um, so that we are measuring for the right reasons. And not just to tell people, yeah, we're measuring it. I, I worry about that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm seeing, I'm seeing um, the conversation of metrics um, growing and evolving. I think we need to be very careful that we're not um, drawn external by external forces that say, as long as you measure these things, you're going to be okay. Because I think it, it, it really matters um, based on the company and what is important to the strategic growth of that company. Yeah, I think it also, is, uh, once again, uh, is very aligned to something you said earlier, which is when it boils down to it, it is really about why does the company exist? Because that defines uh, what sits at the core of your strategic direction, but it also defines your social environment. And, and I think that in the ESG space, the social environment is the most difficult because of it's very situational and it's very industry specific because it's defined very much by who you interact with and, and how and what the impact of what we, you do. And, and so I think it is here that the importance of the board really being uh, on top of things and understanding where the risk socially lies is it, it, so important. Uh, is that, uh, does that resonate with you at all, uh, yeah. Anna? It, it absolutely does, Sheila. And one thing that has concerned me um, for the last few years around the social environment is 
I find the definition to be extremely Western and extremely US centric. So, uh, you know, you and I share the fact that we have worked, you know, all over the world and um, I, you know, I've lived, you know, in developing countries and, and different continents. And the um, we need to be careful that we don't impose Western or U.S. centric definitions when it comes to the social um, measurement stick um, on the S of ESG. Because if you talk only about, let's just talk about DE&I, um, mm. the definition of DE&I is extremely U.S. centric. Um, you know, when you when you when you talk about people of color, um, you take that to Asia, and and the definition is tremendously different than what people in the U.S. think. So I think we need to be very careful that we don't impose. Um, there is such a Western focus on investment community, on corporations and all that. We need to make sure, and on media, we need to make sure we don't impose um, biases in these definitions as we think about how we measure ESG. Yeah, it, it's uh, the uh, diversity, uh, equity, and uh, inclusion dimension is a very important one and and. It's ironical, isn't it, Anna, that it is in the very space in which we are we seek to be inclusive that we yes. fail to be inclusive by taking a, a, a looking at the entire world through potentially the lens of one country. It, You're it seems absolutely to me right. to be completely counterintuitive to the very notion of being inclusive. Uh, and, and 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 there's a, a very serious, very serious uh, unconscious bias there, I think. Oh, most definitely. And, and, you know, I, I, every time I look at this, I question it. And, um, and, and this is again, where composition in the boardroom is so important because you, if you have people in the boardroom who don't understand this perspective because their experience has all been Western and U S centric, your conversation is going to be very one-sided. And if you run a global company, you're going to have part of your employee group that doesn't even understand what it is you're talking about, yeah. right? It is true. It's a real challenge for U.S. boards to essentially come out of the comfort zone. Because if you think about it, if you look at the population of China, if you look at the population of India, and if you look at what potentially that translates to in terms of consumer and industrial goods, no meaningful U.S. company will survive in future unless it taps those markets. And, You're and, absolutely and, right. And, and unless we approach those markets with an understanding of what the social dynamic looks like in the, those countries, my guess is that uh, we risk underperforming. So once again, we start off uh, with a desire to be inclusive, to be impactful in a positive way. But really, ultimately, it is the very business of the company that depends on this, isn't it, Anna? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what all the conversations in the boardroom need to focus on. What is it that will make us successful? Not what is it that will satisfy one small group of people that we are measuring something that's important to them. It certainly is. So, I mean... Speaking of the U.S., the U.S., of course, uh, through the New York Stock Exchange, uh, has required that uh, companies report on ESG. Uh, I mean, does that help be accountable 
or is that likely to be a, a tick box or we eat a terribly onerous one on the compliance teams? You know, how does that help accountability, especially from a public perspective, uh, Anna? I, I think the only thing it really helps, Sheila, is it helps generate good conversation in the boardroom if you have a good group of people sitting around the table. I think that if you're not careful, um, all of these requirements become a tick the box. And, um, you know, there there are cottage industries that are being created for box ticking for regulatory reasons. And um, I worry about that because I don't think it is done for the right reason. And I don't think the people who need to um, gain are truly gaining from exercises like this. So I, I understand the reason why regular, you know, I always say if companies don't do the right thing, you are going to be at the mercy of people who don't understand your business regulating you. So, um, you know, I, I guess it's good that it's creating conversation, but I think we need to be very careful that just because something is regulated doesn't mean if everyone is doing it, they're, you know, successful result, because I'm not convinced that that's the case at all. No, I think you, you are right about that. If uh, putting laws in place and having mm -hmm. regulators was the answer to our problems, the world would be in a different place. So we, we I, sure I think would. you've been more than vindicated by history there. But let me ask you then a, a last question. I mean, if you think about the board and corporations, what is it uh, that can be done beyond ESGs to improve accountability. I'm thinking here of the challenge that, you know, the corporate world is becoming sophisticated, but the public is not becoming any wiser in understanding how corporations work. And, and I struggle with how we can be effective accountant to people who don't understand our world. What, what can we do to help ourselves, Anna? Well, I think that corporations need to do a, a better job of expressing their narrative and telling their story of what it is they do and what it is they provide to society. I mean, I come from an industry of oil and gas that I think has done a terrible job of explaining to the world what that industry has brought. Um, and as a result, um, it, it gets bombarded um, with only the negatives, right? Of only, you know, what what negative negativity oil and gas has done. I think that companies need to be much more um, assertive and um, on the front foot, explaining what it is they bring to society and what it is they are trying to do, rather than allow that narrative to be written by other people who, who can be distracting. Um, companies need to um, spend the time with people explaining what they're trying to do. You know, people don't understand how the world works. People, people, people want to take a very small sliver of a narrative and then, and then go against some company. And they don't understand that without, without the things that some companies do, you wouldn't have the things that you enjoy every day. And so I think companies need to um, stop only communicating with investors and their immediate stakeholders and actually tell the story of what they do and why they are an important part of society in order to have a good dialogue and a good conversation and a good relationship with wider society.
Fantastic. That's uh, all we had uh, time for. Uh, and I thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you so much, Sheila.